Thursday for the last year and a half. I've gotten to go up to Vermilion, South Dakota. I'm helping get a new CSF campus ministry started up there at USD. And so every Thursday night we have a Bible study. And I have some of these really just great students. We've been diving into Scripture. And in this semester, we started going through the book of Colossians. And last or two weeks ago was our first week. And we met on Zoom because I don't know if any of you noticed. We got a little bit of snow a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you didn't notice... Um, we'll talk later. And so uh, we got on Zoom, and one of the questions that came up during our Bible study was we said, all right, I want everybody to think of that person in your life that when you think of what it means or what it, what it looks like to live like Jesus, think of that person. So every, everybody thought of that person, and then we went around the room and we said, okay, now that person in your mind, what is it about them that makes you think that? What is it about them that when you think of what it means to look like Jesus, they're the first person you think of? And there's this girl in our group, her name is Cam, and Cam said, she goes, well, I always think of the same person. It's this friend of mine from high school. I said, well, Cam, why that person? And she said, I don't know, it's just that ever since I've known her, her whole life, I've never heard her say anything that Jesus wouldn't say. I was like, why don't you dig into that a little bit? And she goes, I've just never heard her say anything judgmental. I've never heard her say anything mean. I've, I've never heard her poke fun at somebody or make a joke at somebody else's expense. She's always just so encouraging and uplifting. I've just never heard her say anything that Jesus wouldn't say. And I was like, wow. And then as we went around the room, all of us agreed that the person that we thought of had the same Characteristic, But then what was funny is we all agreed that if you asked us to make a list of like the ten characteristics of someone who lives like Jesus, we probably wouldn't have put that on there. And yet every single one of us to a person, the person we thought of, it was somebody who just never said something unloving. Never said something that, that Jesus wouldn't say. Now, we got a little later in the night and I, I just kept resonating in my mind. Like, what does that look like? And Oh my gosh, I don't know that that's in my life. And at one point in the Bible study, somebody asked me a question and I wasn't paying attention. And the reason I wasn't paying attention is because our dear friend that many of you know, her parents are here today, Maya Nelson had done something dumb and I was thinking of a joke to make fun of her. And during the Bible study, I said, I'm really sorry I wasn't paying attention. I've been thinking of something to make fun of Maya, but all that keeps coming in my head is Cam's friend wouldn't say that. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have never met this girl, but Cam's friend is ruining my life. (laughs) Like, for the last week and a half, like, 50 times a day, like, it's like the Holy Spirit goes, uh, Cam's friend wouldn't say that. Cam's friend wouldn't think Cam's friend wouldn't do that. And this morning, we're going to keep walking through the book of 1 John, and if you were here last week, Dave talked about how at the beginning of 1 John, at the beginning of his letter, John talks about how do you know that you know Jesus? And the opening reason that you know that, or the opening test, as Dave said last week, is are you obedient to Jesus? Are you doing what Jesus would say you should do? Well, John's going to take that a little further this morning in our verses as we dive into chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 7. And just a few verses here, and John goes on and says, there's another way, there's another piece of evidence that you know that you know Jesus. He says in verse 7, he says, Beloved, I'm writing you not a new commandment, but an old one. 
A commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, though, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you. And it's true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John goes on this week and he says, if you want to know if you know Jesus, the next piece of evidence, the next reasoning, the next way that you know that is do you love other people? That's really the theme of these few verses, and actually it's kind of the theme of the whole book of 1 John, is how do you and I love each other? And John says if you want to know if you know Jesus, then you have to look at how you love other people. It's another test of whether you know him, and the word that John uses is a Greek word, agape. And agape is a different kind of love than what the world normally defines as love. I would say agape, the best way I could describe it is it's a little bit of an elevated type of love. It's an abnormal type of love. And it's the word that the Bible uses to describe God's love for the church in Ephesians 5. It's the word that the Bible uses to describe God's love in John 3.16, for God so agape the world that he would give up his only son. It's like an elevated form of love. It's, it's abnormal. It's what he will use later on in 1 John chapter 4 to describe God himself. Agape love is different. It gives without any expectation of anything in return. Agape love puts other people first even when they don't deserve it. It puts other people's needs ahead of your own all the time. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. It's never-ending. It's abnormal, Right? It's different than what the world normally says love is. It's beyond our expectation of love. And John says it is the identifying characteristic of a follower of Jesus. Paul in Romans chapter 13 said something similar when he said, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment, Paul says, they're summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Paul reminds you and me that love is the defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus. In fact, if you were here last week, Dave did a great job of talking about how John says one of the ways that you know that you know Jesus is that you obey. Well, John takes it a step further in this chapter, in this part of the letter, where John says that that's obviously true because he said it. And John says, but the way that you know you're obeying is if you love other people. John says all the rules, all the things, all the pulses, all those things in Romans chapter 8, he says everything that's ever been said in Scripture, it's summed up in do you love other people. So what does that mean for you and I today? What does it look like to have an abnormal kind of love for the world around us? What does it look like to love people beyond what we define as love in our world? Well, the first thing John says is this. He says there are three things that you really need to know. And John says the first thing is this, is that this has been, it is, and it always will be the defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus. 
John says it has been, it is, and it always will be the defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus. That's why John uses this phrasing that, that seems kind of contradictory. Like John says, well, it's an old commandment, but it's kind of a new commandment, so it's not really an old commandment, but it is an old commandment, but it's kind of a new commandment. That's why he says it, because what it is is it's always been the defining characteristic of a follower of God. We have always been commanded and called to love our neighbor. So it's old, but then Jesus enters the picture, and Jesus puts flesh on that definition of love. So when Jesus comes into the world and lives the life that he lived, Jesus puts flesh on God's love. He shows us what that love is like, that an agape love is a love that would go to the cross for doing nothing wrong yourself and would go to the cross to die for other people's sins, people who will never even follow you possibly. And when Jesus came, he took that old commandment of love and he didn't change it, he brought flesh to it. And then we look at Jesus and go, ooh, that's a whole lot different than I thought love was before. And so it's a new, elevated commandment. See, that's why John says it's old and yet it's new. Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 13. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another, just as I have loved you. See, that's, that's the new part. We've always been told to love each other, and Jesus says, no, but you're supposed to love each other like I've loved you. That's how you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It has been, it is, and it always will be the defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus. And church, I don't know about you, but for me, that's really easy to talk about. Boy, is that hard to live. But John goes on to to kind of almost double down on how important this is. It's almost like John says, if you think this is no big deal, let me me wreck your world. John says, he says, "If, if you aren't loving people, then you are not in the light. It's literally what he says in verse 9. John says in verse 9, he says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. See, and and you and I know that that Jesus is the light, right? Jesus is the light of the world. He came to bring light to the darkness. Over and over and over again in this letter from John, and honestly all of John's writings, he tells us that if we want to see what love is, we have to look to Jesus. That Jesus, the light of the world, is the definition of love. If we aren't loving other people, what John is saying is that in you and I, we're not abiding in Jesus. John says, don't forget that that Jesus' love is different. It's abnormal. It's beyond what you think. That's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 said, he said, said, you've heard it said, you'll love your neighbor as yourself and you'll hate your enemy. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do that? If you greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles or those who don't know Jesus, don't they do the same thing? You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, Scripture over and over and over again reminds us that Jesus is our example of love. 
here's the deal, church. We, the church, we are the example to the world of Jesus. Let me say that again this morning. Jesus is our example of love. And if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you and I are the example to the world of who Jesus is. We are the avenue through which the world sees how Jesus loves people. John says, if if you don't love people, then you are not walking in the light of Jesus. He says that there's darkness in you. See, to love people means that you and I are called to love them and treat them the same way that Jesus has loved and treated us. Think about that this morning. I kind of sat in that idea for a while this week, and I I got to thinking about all the ways that Jesus loves me. I I mean, think about that. Jesus loves you and me with unconditional forgiveness. Like, there's never a moment that we go to Jesus and ask him to forgive us, and he goes, no, not this time, buddy. Never. That's how he, his love shows unconditional forgiveness. His love, Jesus loves us in a way where he, he does things that we don't deserve for us. He, he helps and serve others who, who probably will never recognize that he's doing it or even care that he did it. He, he gives and serves to people who don't even recognize that he's doing it. Jesus' love meets people in their darkest and hardest places and just sits with His love is ever-present. It never leaves the room. Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, he's like never annoyed at being interrupted by people in need. Jesus forgives the most unforgivable things in our world. Jesus, his love gives beyond what seems humanly possible, and he never has an expectation of anything in return. Jesus' love expects the best in you and me, even when we've done nothing to show him that that should be his expectation. Like Jesus' love is so deep and so rich that he believes that you and I can do things and be things that nobody else thinks. Even when our lives give no indication that you should believe that about us at all, Jesus says, no, no, no. I I can see it. Jesus' love picked people up even when they failed for the thousandth time. Jesus' love picked people up even when he knew they were going to fall right back down. That's how Jesus loves me and you. And John says that's how we're supposed to love other people. Do you start to get the picture of how this love is different? Like it's, it's abnormal, right? Like the way Jesus has loved you and me, it doesn't make any sense. John says, if we don't love people that way, then we are not abiding in Jesus. And John doubles down on that in the next two verses. He says, without love, without love in your life, you and I will fall into darkness. Look at what he says in verses 10 and 11. He says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. He says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, and he walks in the darkness, and he doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John says that if you and I are walking in the light, 
of Jesus, but we, we think we're walking in the light of Jesus, we think we're in the light of Jesus, but we hate our brothers and sisters, we're actually still in darkness. John says that when we don't love people, we are in darkness, we walk in darkness, we have no direction in darkness, and we will stumble in darkness, and that makes sense. Because John said if we're not loving other people, we're not in the light. And light, by definition, is the absence of darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. You can't have darkness with light in the room, by definition. And Jesus came into the world and went into the darkness to bring light to places that nobody else would go. And so John reminds you and me this morning that if we're followers of Jesus, either we are in the world and darkness, or we belong to Jesus and are in the light. And he says, hate and love are the outward signs of where we reside. And John reminds you and I that we have a choice in that. That we have a choice about where we reside. See, church, the, the beautiful thing this morning is is that John also reminds us that Jesus' love is always present. And so if you're sitting there kind of like I have the last couple weeks going, that is not me. And John reminds us that Jesus is the kind of friend, Jesus gives the kind of love who will meet us where we're at. And he will pull us out of the darkness into the light. See, that's what makes Jesus' love so abnormal. Is Jesus didn't come into the world and go, hey, that person looks pretty great. I'll love them because they're actually pretty lovable. No, Jesus found you and me in our least lovable state, in the place where we were in the most darkness, where we were the furthest from God. And Jesus says, I'm going to go find them, and I'm going to love you out of darkness into light. And then he tells us, you got to go and do the same. That can be hard, right? Like, let's be real. There's people in our lives that are hard to love. Don't nudge the person next to you, please. Right? There's people in our world that are hard to love. There, there's people that we work with that are hard to love. There might be people in your family, right? I'm going to guess there might be somebody in our church that's hard for you to love. It's hard, right? Now, now, don't get me wrong this morning. John is not saying that we ignore things that are outside the will of God. John is not saying that we ignore the darkness or we don't ever confront the darkness. John is not saying that we don't hold each other accountable in Christian community. John is not affirming sin in any way, stretch, or form. Scripture is incredibly clear that as a follower of Jesus, I am never, ever to affirm sin in my own life or somebody else's. But Scripture is equally clear that I am always supposed to find and love and affirm people. Because Jesus did that for you and he did it for me. Jesus met us in our sin and not once did Jesus meet us and go, hey, that sin, dude, it's okay, don't worry about it. Never. He can't. He's perfect, holy, and pure. But Jesus always met us in our sin and said, I love you in spite of the darkness in your life. And then Jesus loved me and you out of the darkness into a better life. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, he once said that that's hard. 
it, it's hard to know who to love and who not to. It's hard to love sin or love sinners and hate sin. And John goes on in this passage, the last couple of verses of our text in 12 through 14, and what John essentially says is he says, this is for everyone. You don't, you don't get to choose. He said, if you're old, young, middle-aged, in between, if you're really close to Jesus, really far, if you're really mature in your faith, if you're super immature, it doesn't matter. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to love people because Jesus has loved we have to choose how we will respond. We have to choose what we will say. The famous story is told of Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker. They were kind of famous preachers way back in the day, and they both led prominent churches in London in the 19th century, and they got into a little bit of a, a spat with each other. Uh, one Sunday, Parker had got up in front of his church, and Spurgeon had this children's orphanage that was kind of a big deal in London, and Parker got up in front of his church, and he kind of took a shot at it. He talked about how the orphanage, like, it's great to rescue kids, but man, have you seen Spurgeon's orphanage? That place is trash. That's not exactly what he said, but he just kind of ripped on the orphanage and the condition of it, kind of took a shot at it to make himself look better. Well, then the next week, Spurgeon got up, and he heard that Parker had criticized the orphanage, and so he got up, and he took some shots at Parker from the pulpit. He said, hey, I heard Parker said this last week, but this guy Parker, and he kind of went on, and as it does, you know, you didn't need social media back in the day to do this. Like, it kind of got out in the news, and people kind of got worked up because you want to hear what the latest gossip is, right? And so the next Sunday, the third Sunday, everybody in town went to Parker's church, not to hear the gospel, not for the great music, because they wanted to see how Parker was going to take a shot back at Spurgeon. Like, I was like, oh, man, that happened before Facebook. That's depressing. Well, to Parker's credit, the Holy Spirit must have done something in his life. And the story goes that Parker got up and he said, hey, I know a lot of you are here to hear what I have to say, but uh, it did dawn on me this week that Dr. Spurgeon, I've heard, is out of town. He's not in his pulpit and his church is not meeting this morning. He said, but I also know that this is normally the week that Dr. Spurgeon's church takes their whole offering and, and gives it to the orphanage. He said, you know, that orphanage is doing great work in our community, so this morning we're going to take a love offering and we're going to give it all to Spurgeon and his, and his kids. And the story goes that the church was incredibly shocked because they all came to hear the latest shot taken at somebody else. The story also says that the church had to empty the offering plates three times because they kept overflowing. See, church, here, here's the deal this morning. The kind of love that Jesus shows you and I is abnormal. It's out of the ordinary. But when you and I love other people in abnormal ways, abnormal things start to church that came to only hear criticism and pot shots gave ridiculously for a kingdom cause because and that's abnormal but it's because they saw love being displayed in an abnormal way church church if you if there's people in your life that you think it would be so weird if they came to jesus 
or there's, or there's even Christians in your life, and you're like, man, it would be so weird if they were different, or they actually were nice, or I could actually stand being in the same room with them. Like, if there's things and people in your life that you go, man, it would be so abnormal for this to happen. My question to you and to me this morning is, have you ever loved them abnormally? Because I will tell you this, that Jesus met me in an abnormal way. And he loved me when it wasn't normal to love. And it made me make an abnormal decision and change my life. And I bet you could say the same. C.S. Lewis went on, and he said, you know, for years, I just wrestled with that idea of how can I love the sinner but hate the sin. He said, then one day it occurred to me that there was one man who I'd been doing this all my life. There was actually one person in my life who forever, I'd known them forever, and I always loved them but hated the sin in their life. I didn't even have a single problem with it. He said that person's name was C.S. Lewis. He said, however much I disliked my own cowardice, my own conceit, my own greed, my own sin, I had no problem going on loving myself. He said there had never been the slightest difficulty in it. He said, in fact, the very reason why I hated the things in my life so much was because I loved me so much. And just because I loved myself, I was sorry to find that I was the sort of man who would do those things. See, the reality is we all live in that world, right? Oh, but this person you don't know is so hard. (laughs) I like me a lot. I'm pretty disgusted by the sin in my life. As the band comes this morning to lead us in worship, I, I got to be honest, I've been, I made jokes about it Thursday night at our Bible study, but I, I've never, like, Cam's friend is ruining my life. <laughs> like, maybe it's just a sign of how horrible my life already is, but, like, literally, like, 30 times a day, like, I'll go to say something or think something, and I'll go, oh, no. Normally, it's not been Cam's friend wouldn't do that. It's been Cam's friend wouldn't have done that the reality but it really got me thinking church are you and I the kind of friend that other people say they think of when they think of what it means to be like Jesus are you and I the kind of friend that other people think about when they think about what it means to be like Jesus church this is where I've wrestled this week I could be wrong, but I really think, I really think I'm never the person that people go, you know, when I think of people who don't know Jesus, I think of Justin. Like, I don't think I'm there. Like, I don't think, I think there's almost nobody or very few people in my life who don't know that I follow Jesus. Like, I think almost everybody in my life, if you said, you know, somebody who follows Jesus, they'd go, oh yeah, Justin, he follows Jesus. Here's where I'm convicted. I don't know that I have a whole lot of friends that when you said, who's somebody you know who lives like Jesus, that I'm the first person that pops in their mind. And I'll be honest, it never crossed my mind that there's a difference between following Jesus and living like Jesus. And yet I think there's all kinds of people who think of us, they all know they follow Jesus, but if you said, who's that person that you think of when you think of what it means to live like Jesus. Maybe we get, maybe we're a little further down the list than we'd like. 
how do you know that you know Jesus? Well, church, you and I know this. We know that we know Jesus because he loved us out of darkness, right? That's how I know that I know Jesus, because he met me in the darkest parts of my life, and he loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins, and he, he went into the darkness and pulled me out and brought me into a life of light. That's how I know that I know Jesus. But church, a second question I would ask this morning is, how do others know that you know Jesus? How do others know that you and I know Jesus? Well, church, I would suggest the only way they know that is if you and I love them the same way. 